You are about to listen to the S. Anthony Says Podcast, starring S. Anthony Thomas. <laughs> you lucky bastards. All right, this is S. Anthony. Glad you came back. Ready for the next one? All right, here we go. Go! Hello, hello, you sick bastards. As you can hear by the fact that there's no traffic sounds going on in the background, no construction trucks and no no dogs barking, I'm actually indoors recording this. And uh, you know what? I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to answer a question that I got in an email. And it's not a, uh, oh, by the way, this is S. Anthony Thomas. This is the S. Anthony Says Podcast. Duh. You know what you clicked on, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to answer a question that I got in an email. And uh, a person was watched, heard, listened to the podcast, and then kind of, you know, went over to Twitter and, and saw my picture and saw that I was a black guy. I'm like, I'm like, how how could you have listened to any of my podcasts and not known that I was a black dude? But whatever. And the person asked me, "Have you ever dated a white lady?" And the question is, yes, I have. I usually date black ladies because I love black women. But I mean, if I if I like somebody a lot, the ethnicity really doesn't matter to me. And uh, I tell the story. This is the story I, I tell. It was, uh, it was, I was in my early 20s. I was living in California. This is right after I initially moved to California. And uh, like I said, I normally date black women because I love them so much. That chocolate skin is like yum, yum, yum. But this one lady was, you know, just made me kind of just go, you know what? I like this lady so much. She is such a nice person and so fun to be with that none of that's really going to matter at this time. I'm going to date this woman and I don't care about any of that other stuff. So we're having a great time. And as it turns out, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm I was doing my comedy thing and she was beginning to do her comedy thing. I think she was just kind of checking it out, um, but she wanted to do it. So we're doing our comedy thing and uh, and uh, we're having a good time. We're dating. We're having a great time. We, we had great intellectual conversations. We had fun together. We liked a lot of the same music, liked a lot of the same things. We enjoyed each other's company. And for lack of being for a better way of saying it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be indelicate, uh, we got it on a lot. We tore each other up on a regular basis. It was fun. So she wanted to do comedy and she wasn't that good at it yet. And I was already good at it because I had been doing it for seven or eight years at that point. I was a professional at that point. And um, so I wrote her some material. I wrote her about five minutes of material. Um, she goes on. She does an audition. It goes well. And she just wanted to try it out and see what it was like. But the but the material went over so well. And the reason I was able to write material for her that easily was because we had been dating for a while. So I knew her well. I didn't, you know, know her family or anything because she would always come down to see me in Hollywood. But, you know, I wrote the material. It was really easy for me. I mean, I write jokes. That's what I do. It's not a big deal. So she goes and gets passes an audition at this, this comedy club. And as it turns out, she's going to wind up being on a show that I'm on, which was kind of cool. And it was like a nice little audition showcase type thing for some TV series or something and kind of freaked her out because she just expected to go on. She was super pretty. She just expected to go on stage, do her set and have a nice little story to tell. But they, they go, oh, we want you back and we want you to be on the showcase. So she's freaking out. And I write her another five minutes. Are you sure you can write me five minutes? Is it, honey, I, I write and I've been writing jokes for quite a while now. It's not that big of a deal. So I write her five new minutes. She memorizes it. She does. She, and, and we're going to do the show. So we're on the showcase and uh, keep in mind, I've been dating her for a while and we've been getting it on for a while. You know, we've been very close and everybody knows we're dating. Showcase shows up, packed house. She's normally used to performing in front of small crowds. Now there's about 190 or 200 people there. A little freaked out. I can understand that. So I see her coming towards me. She's all dressed up, looking all yummy and everything. And I see 
this like five or six white people behind her, which is not really a big deal because half the crowd was white, but I could tell that they were with her. So I'm walking up to her to give her a hug and I'm going, oh, this must be her family. This is going to be great. I'm finally going to get to meet her family. So I walk up to hug her and I wasn't going to hug her in any kind of, you know, overtly sexual way or some kind of, this is mine. I'm a man. This butt's mine. I wasn't going to do anything like that. I was just going to give her a hug and a peck on the cheek. And uh, she she comes up to me and I'm walking towards her happy, like, hey, I'm about to hug my girlfriend and we're going to have this great show, most likely. And she gives me this, you know, that hug women give you where they lean the top half of their body in and the bottom half of their body is back where they were originally standing. The whole, I'm hugging you because I acknowledge I know you and I, I have affection for you, but I want to have my genitals and buttocks all the way back here because we're definitely not having sex. You're not someone I'm having sex with. You're not someone I'm romantically involved with. You're a person that I know at the comedy club and that's why you get to touch the top half of my body. In fact, my boobs aren't even touching you. As big as they are, they're not touching you. And you know, it was that kind of hug. And I'm looking at her like, what the hell is this? And I'm saying, well, maybe, you know, she's a little nervous, you know. I mean, you know, let's let's keep it let's keep it real. I mean, I mean, I, you know, we've been getting it on like like jackrabbits. And she doesn't exactly want her family to just automatically see some dude. You know, so I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. And maybe she's a little freaked out and nervous about the showcase. No problem. We do the showcase. She, she does the material I wrote for. It goes really well. She's happy. Um, she doesn't get picked for the show, but she, she does a good job on the show. I go on. I do my thing, whatever. So after the set and other performers are going on, the place is still packed and everybody's high five. Hey, congrats. That's this, that, this, that, this, that. She doesn't even come over and say thank you to me. She doesn't shake my hand. She doesn't give me a peck. She barely acknowledges me. And I'm wondering what the hell is going on. I'm going, I can understand. I mean, I kind of rationalize it in the beginning portion of this because I figured you were nervous. Or she was nervous, rather. But then I realized something. She's just like pretending like I don't exist. She's treating me as if I'm someone she kind of knows. And then it dawns on me. I said, there's a reason for that. There's maybe two reasons for that. The first reason is maybe, just maybe, she doesn't feel the same way about me as I thought. Maybe she's afraid of what her family will say or what her family thinks. Maybe she's afraid of that. Maybe that's what the problem is. Or maybe, just maybe, it's her. Now, I come to find out a little bit later on that it wasn't the family. The family didn't have any problem with that because, quite frankly, one of the other children in the family was dating, was in an interracial relationship, and it didn't bother them. It turns, it turns out it was her. She was the one with the problem. It wasn't them. It was her. She was an, eth she was an ethnic tourist. That's what she was. She didn't really care about me that much. She just thought I was attractive and she wanted to have sex with me. But she didn't want me to be her boyfriend because she was like, you know, in her mind, she's probably thinking he's cute and he's great with, with you know, doing stuff to my genitals. But um, no, nope, nope. I'm going to have to marry the, the college football guy or, or some type of guy like that. But I can't marry him. I can't be in a relationship with him, but I can jump on top of him. Now, under normal circumstances, a guy would go, hey, man, what's the problem with that? She's hot. She's smoking hot. I mean, this girl looked like, let me give you an idea what this what this lady looked like. Uh, she looked like a young, like Kim Kardashian at her best with blonde hair and a and about 75% of Kim Kardashian's ass. Okay, that's what she looked like. So, and, and guys are going, what are you upset about? You got, to get, you got to get it on with this fine woman. What's the problem? Well, there wasn't a real problem. I'm not complaining about having sex a few hundred times with a smoking hot woman. I'm not complaining about that. 
It's just that she didn't let me know what was going on. I thought I had a girlfriend. I thought I had a girlfriend. You know, had she come up to me and said, listen, um, you're cute and fun. I don't want a relationship. Let's just get it on. I would have been like, well, not a problem. Wouldn't have bothered me at all. In fact, had she done exactly what she did at that moment to me right now, if I dated a woman that looked like that and was that fine and we had great times, great conversation, enjoyed each other's company, tore each other up three or four hundred times, and uh, then she went, well, I don't know. You know what I would have said? Okay. Sam, I'm a little hurt because I, I thought we were going to be doing something, but I mean, you know, I, I enjoyed the time we had together. You know, uh, take care of yourself, you know. Uh, but if, if you change your mind and you ever want to just get it on or something like that, no strings attached, not to be indelicate, but give me a phone call if I'm not seeing anybody. We'll, we'll do that. But uh, we can't be a part of each other's life, lives right now because you lied to me. You know, you lied by omission. But but other than that, other than that, not a problem. I, I enjoyed the time. I enjoyed the fun. I enjoyed the company. I enjoyed your genitals. So uh, take care of yourself. <laughs> and that's the truth, you know. And that's sometimes what happens when you have interracial relationships is, you know, you have to be cognizant of the of the problems that could be there. It could be the relatives, you know, maybe the older relatives. It could be the person themselves that is not quite sure they like you enough, but they just don't want to deal with the jackasses of the world that are going to give them a problem. Personally, from a personal standpoint, I will date whoever I want, whenever I want. And if you got a problem with it, it's your problem. I'm not going to allow somebody to dictate who I get it on with. Never going to happen. You know, so to answer your question and you know who you are. Yes, I have dated white women before. Um, basically, my dating life has been 90 percent black women and 10 percent the other women of other ethnicities. So it's usually black women. <laughs> and I like black ladies because they're like chocolate to me. Yow. <laughs> Okay, let's see what else what was the other question here? Uh S. Anthony, do you want to be famous? Or do you know anybody famous? Yes I do. I know quite a few famous people. Um I'm not gonna mention any names, but I I, I know enough famous people or or not not well maybe an A listers here and there that I'm kind of an acquaintance with. But I know enough famous people to know what it that it's a weird thing. People think that fame is fun and from what I've seen hanging out with some of them I mean, it's fun that they have all the money and they get to do a lot of the work they want to do, but it's a weird thing becoming famous because I know some people that became famous and it was really tough for them. It's a tough thing to deal with fame. It really is because fame switches quickly. You can go from fame, un, not famous to famous fast. But what people don't realize is to get to the point where you're at the point where you're about to become famous, that can take a decade or two. You know what I'm saying? Because when when a person becomes famous, they were just as good as they were the day before they became famous. The skill level was there, the talent was there, the ability was there, but and they worked all those years to get to that point, and then something happens and they became famous, and all of a sudden the world changes and it changes so fast that some people aren't aren't ready for it. You know, I think I'll be able to handle it, but you never know. You know, becoming famous is the equivalent of being fat, right? Working out, eating right, dieting, doing everything perfectly and seeing absolutely no results of your work at all and having faith and just keep going. This is uncomfortable. I know it's going to pay off. 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 And for some people, they don't get the payoff. But for the person that becomes famous, they work hard and work out and lift the weights and do this and move that and lift this. And I got the, well, I do, just, I'm gonna do squats and lift this and pick this, that, this and lift and move this. And I'm going to run now and take these supplements and do this and then do some crunches and do this. 
and there's no results. Now, when you become famous, somebody who has the juice to make you famous walks up and goes, hey, you, you've been working hard for about uh, 20 years trying to get in shape, huh? No results yet? Yeah, well, I'm a Franklin, Mr. Powerful guy in Hollywood Johnson, and I would just like to say right now, you're fit. And then you look down, and all of a sudden now, instead of being a five foot four fat guy, now you're 6'2", you're in perfect shape. You know, you got the perfect this, you're perfect that, you got millions of dollars in the bank, and everybody knows who you are, and everybody's interested in everything you, that you, you, you want to do, and everybody, all the women want to get in on with you, but you don't know which ones actually like you. Everybody wants to be your friends, but you don't know which ones actually like you and just, or just want to get something from you. And that's what happens. But it never turns off. <laughs> and you have to be a strong person to be able to handle that. Because, as we've seen in many occasions, that kind of fame will crush people. It destroys people. If there was something wrong with you before, if you had low self-esteem and then you become famous, then you're at the whim of people who are trolls, who can say nasty things to you, to you on the Internet, or people who say nasty things to you in public, or people in the business who, will think in, who literally think of you as a machine. They'll evaluate you the way that people evaluate horses. You know, you walk up to a horse, you open his lips, and you start rubbing his teeth, right? You grab his feet. Let me take a look at his shoes. Oh, not, not bad, not bad. Let me open his mouth again. Oh, the teeth are pretty good. Let me check his balls. All right, man, fantastic. You know, we're going to do this, that. Let me ride him for a while. Fantastic. And that's what it's like. You're a thing <laughs> that people make money off of. You are things like the horses that people bet on. I'm betting that this movie will be successful and then we'll do that. You know, of course, the horses go out to stud. But if you really think about it, if you're famous and in Hollywood and you got a lot of money, you are out to stud, too. That's right. Everybody wants to bang you. Everybody you bang wants to have a baby with you. And if you're a woman, every guy wants to get you knocked up. Doesn't matter if they really want to be with you, but they want to knock you up. It's got to be tough. So there's a part of me that wants to be famous, but not necessarily uh, just to be famous. I want to be famous enough where when I play a small theater, maybe 1,500 seats, I can fill it up effortlessly. I want to be famous enough that I have a big enough audience that I could do uh, whatever work I want to do the way I want to do it and not have to rely on Hollywood to do anything for me. I want to be that level of famous. But do I want to be Michael Jackson at when he did Thriller famous or Prince when he did Purple Rain famous or Eddie Murphy during Beverly Hills Cop famous? That's not a goal of mine. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be that famous. If it happens, it'll happen by accident. It'll never be the thing that I'm shooting for. It never will be that. Uh, I, I'm, I don't I'm not that narcissistic that I need to have everybody know everything that I do when I'm walking around the streets. I want to be famous enough. I like that George Carlin, when he was alive, level of fame where he could fill up 3,000 seaters with no problem. Everybody in the industry related, to, uh, respected his work and thought he was great. But he could go to the corner store. He had that warm family friend, that, that warm old friend type of fame. The kind of fame where people go, Jay George, oh, I, I love your special man. And they walk up and maybe they'd hug you or they shake your hand and they want an autograph. And then they went about their business. But there was nobody running across the street screaming because George Carlin was there. They'd wave him. Hey, Georgie. Hey, you know, I met Rodney Dangerfield in New York. I want that Rodney Dangerfield level of fame back when he was alive. I mean, obviously, it's better to be the fame when he's alive than dead, obviously. So miss, miss me, I'm misspeaking there. But 
but I would I would be at, at danger for them. People, hey Rodney, hey, they wanted to hug him, they wanted to shake his hand, but if he was eating, then they, people left him alone. Okay, I saw you, I saw you were eating right now. I didn't want to bother you. I was wondering if I could take a picture with you. Hey, no problem, kid. Hey. I want that level of fame. That is the best level of fame. And that's what I want. That level. But super famous? Fuck no. I don't want that shit. <laughs> you crazy? <laughs> Hope that answers your question. Much love to you. And the final question here. Uh, do you ever get into political arguments with people over policy? Blah, blah. No. No, I don't. I don't care about the policy too much. And, and the reason I say I don't care about the policy too much is because many times people will wonk out too much and think too much of specific, you know, we, we have to have three quarters of the Senate and two quarters of the House and this, that, and 16 sixteenths and one fifth and one eighteenth and one and 67 twelfths of this, that, and the other. No, nah, man, it's not about the mechanisms. The mechanisms are complete bullshit. They're tools that are used. It's not about the mechanisms. It's about the motivation. It's about having people motivated to do the best thing for human beings. That's what it's about. And we need to put that into perspective. When I talk about politics, I talk about motivation. You know, if you really think about it, whenever the, the politicians really want to do something as a group, it gets done quickly. You know what I'm saying? There will be votes of 99 to nothing, you know, or 99% of the, the, the House voted for it. It'll be something like that because it's something that they have to get behind, you know, and which means that if the, it just shows you how fast they can get things done if they want to. You know, I think of the the uh, government is more like a, uh, uh, it's like, it's just, it's just a tool. And what I mean by that is, it's more like a baseball bat than a gun. You know what I'm saying? A baseball bat, if you put it in the right hands, it's not a dangerous thing. It's designed to do something fun, to play baseball. It's designed to do that. Now, granted, an asshole, if they get a hold of a baseball bat, can turn it into a weapon. Right. But for the most part, it's designed to do good things. But nowadays it's more used like a gun because now it's a weapon. It, it's been weaponized. You know, granted, if you put a gun in the hand of a, of a reasonable person, they're not going to do anything. But it's designed specifically to shoot and kill things. And that's what the government has, has turned into where they just shoot and kill ideas down because somebody gave them some money. Or they shoot and kill ideas because this person doesn't look like them. Or they shoot and kill ideas because a person has a different religion. It's not about the mechanisms. The mechanisms are fine. We have to put people in place, in government, that have the right motivation. Because if they don't have the right motivation, you ain't going to get anything but a lot of horseshit and a lot of jackasses going on news and making up stories and lying about somebody being from this country and this guy really did this and this really... It's all bullshit. It should be used like a tool to help people. And when I talk about politics with people, I say to them, listen, I really don't... It's not about the, the this legislation and that. It's about the people making the legislation. It's about the people passing the laws. It's about the judges who don't have an agenda, who actually look at the law and have some compassion for human beings, whether they look like them or not, whether they have the same religion or not, whether they come from the same place or not. It's a tool. And since it's a tool and not a weapon... Much like a baseball bat, you don't hand it to the psychopath. Because if you hand the baseball bat to the psychopath, the psychopath is going to do what psychopaths do. Crack people in the fucking head. But if you put the bat in the hands of a reasonable person, he's going to go or she's going to go, hey, let's go play baseball. And right now, 
our government and many of the people in government, there's some good people in there, but there's too many people in government right now who are like the psychopaths with the baseball bat. And that's why you don't get, that's why the Medicare expansion isn't happening in certain places. And that's why there's a lot of people that are going to die because of this, that, and the other. It's all about the people and the motivation of the people in government and not the mechanism. So when I, so to answer your question, when I talk to people about politics, I talk about the motivation of the people in power, not the mechanisms. I, I'm really not that interested in the mechanisms. Yes, I understand them. You know, I learned about that crap in school just like everybody else, but fuck all of that. What's more important is getting people in place that are going to do the right things. Well, folks, this is actually being recorded indoors for a change. Uh, this is actually being recorded Saturday at around one o'clock. But this will be the Monday episode of the S. Anthony Says podcast. I want to thank you guys. You guys have been really super duper cool. You guys have been retweeting me on Twitter and uh, reblogging me on Tumblr and sharing me on the other social networking sites and saying all sorts of really cool things in the emails and all that kind of stuff. I really, really appreciate it. And I want to thank you guys for sticking with me through uh, my uh, walking around outside and hearing all the traffic noise and shit like that. But the thing I was trying to do, basically, uh, what I was trying to create is... When I would talk to my friends on a regular basis, we, we we tend to walk and talk. You know, we will go out and we'll have a walk. We'll get some coffee and we'll walk the streets, you know, walk around and have a talk like that. So I was trying to create that type of feel. And I may do it again, but uh, I, I kind of like it in here where I can just chill and, and, and talk directly to you. So uh, the home base for this podcast is santhonysays.podbean.com. The email address is uh, the says podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, if you like any of the podcasts, and I hope you've gone back and listened to the other ones because I'm heading on, I'm heading towards number 100, which will probably be next Friday. will be in the 100th one, I believe. Um, I want to thank you for everything. I want to thank you guys for checking out the other podcasts and all the kind words. I really do appreciate it. I do see that, and uh, I, I, I appreciate that more than you know. Um, much love to you all. This is going to be the Monday one. So I will see you again on Wednesday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And S. Anthony out.